This is the Gallinach Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett, your host for the show. Gallinach Masters Cycling is a global community of 50 years and older cyclists who support each other to love life through riding our bikes. Each week we share inspiring stories from our riders around the world, showcase great places to ride our bikes and give tips to help you get fitter, healthier and more confident on the bike. Welcome to the latest Gallinac Masters Cycling Podcast. I'm Norman Blissett and Foggy, Coach um, Chris Foggin is with me as usual. Hi Foggy, how are you doing? Kia I'm very well, thank you. Well Foggy, a few days ago you sent me a link to the latest Danny McCaskill video and I've been watching it and it's it's fantastic as always. A little bit different to some of the previous ones, not quite the same incredible landscapes but some absolutely amazing skills and tricks he's, he's on the video with with chris kyle who's a um a, a, another amazing um, bike rider but also bmx yeah. ex bmx champion so what, what did you think of it oh awesome mate i mean i hope you hopefully you've been out practicing some of those tricks um what, what i really like is um is having a bit of an understanding of how hard it is to perform those tricks, even at that level, and how many times he has to practice it or it goes wrong. That's the bit that intrigues me. Um, and I like watching the sort of uh, the outtakes as well. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess mm. the ratio is probably about, well, 50 to 1, 50 attempts to one successful one. But the, the, the amazing trick that he does in this one is where he rides over that chain gate. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and I mean, it's difficult to describe, but just a, it's kind of chain, a big thick chain links over a gate between two walls, and he just pauses at the end of the wall, rides over the chain, and then yeah, back on the wall on the other side. Amazing. Well, you, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you've got the, the the narrowness of the chain, you've got the movement of the chain, you've got the movement of the human on the bike on the chain. Uh, it, it is incredible. And yeah, I, make, I wonder how many times he, he did it before he nailed it. Um, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the, uh, the outtakes for that particular piece yet because he must have fell off a couple of times before, at least before he uh, nailed it. I remember there was one that he did when he was sliding down a, tr- a tree trunk on the last video, I think it was. Um, might have been the one when he had the kid in the, the, uh, you know, in the little uh, trailer bike. And he did that 300 times before he nailed it so I think you know pretty incredible yeah he is he is amazing and and previous or listeners of previous episodes of the podcast will know that we're big admirers of um of Danny McCaskill um and yeah we we know a bit about him don't we Foggy well I'm hoping so because <laughs> I've got a quiz <laughs> to test your God, Danny McCaskill no. knowledge and there's no there's no prizes for this. I've got five questions for you, but I will you will you will get a, a kind of an, an award, a verbal award, um, uh, if you if you do really well at, at it. Um, so, oh dear. Question number one, Foggy, ready? Go. Where was Danny McCaskill born? Alaskai. And Boom. the the town. You've got the point, but if you got one point, you've got a bonus, um, a bonus point if you can tell me which town in Alaska. 
I can't remember. I, I know. I can see it. I can't remember. It's done vegan. Right. Here's an easy one for you, Foggy. This is it. We're going to start. We're starting off with two really easy ones. What, <laughs> what brand of bike does Danny McCaskill ride? Oh, and Naf no, is you. easy. Yeah, no, it's not easy. Is he? Was he on at the moment? I don't know. I should know. Well, I'm going um, to give you. I'm going to give you a clue. Please. If you remember back to our Christmas episode where we had to pick Christmas presents with, oh, yeah. with unlimited budget, and you chose a brand of um, gravel cross bike. Oh, no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, dear, I'm having a mind blank. It's been one of those days. Um, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Uh, da, 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 da. Go on, you'll have to go. I'm, I'm having well, a mind blank. I'm going to give you another clue. Um, first, The first name is also the name of a guy who, who kind of, Pops up once a year around Christmas oh, time. Santa Cruz. Oh, well done, Foggy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well done. Right, this is now, but this is where it gets difficult. Um, oh dear. Which of these three film names is actually a Danny McCaskill film? Okay. So, way back to sky, the ridge, or Brody out. It's the ridge. It's because... the ridge. Yes. I think it is because I think it was the it's big day out or something like that. And the one on Sky wasn't called that, whatever you just said. It wasn't right. that. It was way back home. Yeah. Way uh, back home. Yeah. yeah. So, so the ridge, well done. Yeah. Well done. Okay. So next question is about the ridge. So what's the name of the famous um, bit of stone? that he climbs up on the Coolin Mountains in that film? Uh, the Inaccessible Pinnacle. And I've been up it. Foggy, you're on fire. And three. it is inaccessible unless you've got ropes. <laughs> and a bike. And a Santa and a Cruz bike. bike. Yes, if right. you're yeah. Danny McCaskill. All right, yeah. final question, final question. Um, three out of five so far. This is... This is um, um, well, actually, four out of five, really, because I should give you the Yeah, come on, you do. You're cheating. I'll give you a few clues, but there you go. Right. Uh, right. What is the name of his live show? Oh, no, that I, oh yes, I do now. I've seen it. Rock, uh, not rock and roll. Um, no, another mind blank. Go for it. You're almost there. It's something and roll, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And it, I, I'm sure you'll be getting going with these... Um, with his live shows in the in the summer, so anyone that's listening, if there's if there's a show near you, go and see it. It is absolutely amazing. And Foggy, yeah, go on, tell us what it's called. It's it, drop and no, roll. Drop and roll. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Four out of five, Foggy. That's pretty good. Or four um, and a half. Four and a well, half. Four, but not quite five. <laughs> so anyway, um, the the scale is. You know, if you've got not to one, you're never going to get not to one then. You know, oh dear, not such a Danny fan after all, is what I would have said. Yeah. Two or three, you're playing hard to get for Danny. You've been a bit of a tease for him, but you're beyond <laughs> that. Your mm. your heart breaks for Danny, four out of five, Foggy. Oh dear. Um, yeah. And if you got five, it would have been Speed Bonnie Boat, Take Me to Danny. So you're just between <laughs> you're just between the two of them. But there you go. Uh, so urge all fun. listeners to go and watch the latest Danny McCaskill video. And if you haven't seen um, any of the previous ones, go to his 
website. It's just, if you just Google Danny McCaskill, um, it'll yeah. come up and you'll see all the amazing films that he's done over the over the years. And when you watch them, you can think of his number one fan in central Otago, New Zealand, Chris Foggin. <laughs> yeah, he needs to come and do some stuff here. He We've does. some great things he could ride over. Oh, yeah. He could do amazing, um, some amazing films over in your part of the world. Okay, Foggy, what advice have you got for any of our listeners who are thinking of getting their bike out of the shed, they've not ridden it for a while, they go and have a look and they think, oh, where do I start with this? It doesn't look too great. What am I going to do? Really easy is to start with an ABC. That's air brakes chain. So the three the three things that would get you rolling immediately if if um, you know if they were serviced correctly. So what airs in the tires? Are the tires retaining air? Do you need to change them? Are they degraded? Do you need new tubes? Etc. 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 If a bike's been sitting stand uh, you know for a long long time in the shed, there is a chance that the the, the rubber in the tires is degraded as well. Or the rubber and the tubes have degraded, so you need to check all that out. Um, so brakes, make sure you've got functioning brakes. Obviously, you need the thing to stop. So it's just again, if it's mechanical brakes, you know what what needs to be adjusted in terms of the cables and stuff like that. And if it's, if it's hydraulic brakes, is there actually any air in them? Um, because you can end up with a fail on a um, you know mechanical. Uh, sorry, with uh, hydraulic brakes, it's just with being standing around and some air's leaked in somehow, and then you, they don't work. And and another thing as well is be careful if you um, when you do store a bike that's got hydraulic brakes. That um, on occasions, if you store them um, hanging up by the front wheel, <clears throat> that the uh, hydraulic fluid can can either drain or move, and you can end up with um, air in them again, and you can end up with um, Problems. I've seen that happen a couple of times. So I don't store any of my bikes that are hydraulic upright. They're always, you know, on both wheels. Uh, and chain, of course, if the chain's not serviced and working, the bike isn't isn't going to go. So you need to have a look at that and see what the condition of the chain is. Um, associated with the chain is obviously the chain rings and the cassette. Uh, is there any rust? Uh, how clean and clean is it? Does it need degreasing properly with a degreaser? Does it need um, just washing with soap and water? Um, so all of those sort of things, uh, is it running true and smooth? And does it change gear properly? Um, so if you just start with that ABC, boom, you're in. Having said that, if it's an old bike that's been stuck for years, then you're going to go to, you're going to have to go deeper than that. You're going to have to do what we call an M check. So you super, superimpose the letter M over the bike, and then you work your way systematically from the bottom of one uh, side of the M up and down the frame so you're going from the bottom of the wheel so say you put it from the front wheel up to the headset down to the bottom bracket up to the seat and then down to the um, rear wheel and you work your way systematically through the bike looking at what um, what's actually working and what isn't you know checking the headset make sure that's all tight and, lo- and, and not loose and it, the bearings are right and, you know working down into the bottom bottom bracket again, working into the cranks, working into the pedals, making sure they're all greased up and working properly. Oftentimes a bike can be sat around for, you know, 40, 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, whatever, it'll be rusted up and the grease will have gone hard or not working or whatever. Yeah. So what what, um, what do you think we, because one of the options there is to 
just cart it off to the nearest bike shop, isn't it? And let them let them do it. And that's the of course it is. That's yeah. that's the, the easy option, a bit more of an expensive option. But what what are the what are the basic things that you reckon that we should just be able to do with a bit of bit of practice, a bit of watching well, a few instructions? Well, everyone can change videos. a tube. You know, everyone can put new tires on and change a tube. That that is not a hard thing to do. Um, and you know, if you do need new tires, new tubes, it's just just a case of. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, it's just it's, it's really easy to do. It's just look at a YouTube video and find out how to change. But you, you know, any you know any decent bike rider should know how to change um, uh, a tire. Uh, your brakes, you can do that yourself. I mean, to, to be perfectly honest, if you um, if you have um, the old style uh, rim brakes, they're really straightforward. You just got to know how to adjust so that you don't get them squealing or. Or, or you know catching on the tires and stuff and if you've got disc brakes um uh, getting the brake pads out is actually relatively easy if you know what you're doing uh, it's a case of just removing the caliper and then you know removing the actual uh, pins and then taking the pads out and it's, it's pretty straightforward and and again replacing the chain is pretty straightforward as well and cleaning a chain that, that those things the abcs are, i think are the are the the fundamentals really that you should know what to do i think if you're not sure about how to tighten a headset or or look after that then i'd take that to the bike shop because you can get that wrong i know i've seen it often where people have tightened the wrong bolt thinking that the the bolt at the top which compresses the thing together is actually the one that tightens it up and it isn't um and i've seen people get the bottom brackets wrong you need specialist tools to get bottom brackets out so again that would probably be unless you've got a good workshop at home that'll be a bike shop job um, adjusting your gears, um, you know, I'd always say learn how to do that yourself because uh, it's a relatively simple thing to understand as to how to reset gears um, or, or, or adjust them. Um, again, you know, the thing is, if you're not confident, it's a bike, you know, take it to the bike shop because you don't want to mess it up. Uh, even, you know, wheels, you, it is relatively simple to straighten a wheel. However, if you have no knowledge of it or little knowledge of it, you can end up with a banana quite quickly. Um, so again, I would strongly recommend if you're not sure, if you've never done it before, off to the bike shop for you know for a slightly buckle wheel or whatever. Um, same with spokes. If you've got loose spokes or broken spokes, you can tighten them up reasonably well. But again, if you're not, you know, it, it's it's just having the knowledge, um, you know, how to how to do that sort of stuff. Yeah, and there's, there's lots of, I think we've said this before on previous podcasts, there's lots of really good videos you can watch. The GCN yeah. uh, YouTube channel has a video on pretty much everything that you could possibly need to know yeah. about um, maintaining maintaining a bike. And, I, and they're, they're really good. So I, I've, over the years, um, learned most of the stuff about um, about maintaining the bike and changing stuff on the bike from them and that's i i would say it's got as technology on bikes has has developed it's got easier and easier it's really disc brakes are really easy to maintain hydraulic disc brakes yeah. i mean the hydraulic part of it um is a bit more a bit more technical but yeah. in terms of um just normal day-to-day maintenance of uh of, of hydraulic disc brakes even the mechanical disc brakes is easier than rim brakes it's less, yeah. less to go wrong. The new modern chains now have these speed links, um, so you just That's have right. a little a little tool to um, to to disconnect the link and and reconnect it. Um, really easy to get the get the chain off. 
um, indexing on gear, so get them aligned now is yep. it, it, the the barrel thing. You know, the the, the technology has moved on, so it's a lot, it's a lot, easier. Know, it's a lot easier to adjust. Um, I think the, most of the barriers to doing it for people are just like a bit. They're a bit fearful. Once you once you watch the videos, try it out a few times. You can do print not not everything, but you can do most stuff on the bike yourself. Yeah, it's fairly unknown. If you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, even cables, you know, replacing gear cables or re- replacing brake cables is fairly straightforward if you know what you're doing. But they, uh, again, a bike that's been in the shed for ages, there's a good chance that the cables will be rusty because just the moisture out of the air gets into them. Um, so, I mean, actually cleaning um, the, the cables themselves, just taking them out of the sheath, blowing the sheath through with a, with a little um, air blower and... And then cleaning the cable and putting it back in is really straightforward. But again, if you pull that out and it's all full of rust, I mean, I used to see it all the time when I ran my business in uh, northwest of England because it was such a wet environment in the forest that we were in. Um, you had to be on top of the cables because they got rusty real quick. You know, they'd be sitting in a container for a couple of days, not used, and you already got some rust in there yeah. with the fluids got uh, water coming. So, so it's been sitting around for a long time. You need to make sure you're checking all that. Um, uh, it's 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 like I get, it's not like being a doctor. You just but you, you're looking. It's like being a mechanic on a car, isn't it? Your diagnostics is looking for what's causing the problem. Um, uh, if you've got half a sort of mechanical mind or half a practical mind, you can put, you can usually do stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. not taking it away. You know, it's not for everybody. And you know, even some some people want to take take a bike into a bike shop to get it tuned on. That's fine. There's no criticism there. It's just you know, it's horses for courses. Yeah, you save a bit of money, don't you? Doing it, doing yeah, it by yourself. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and well, it's, that's, that's I, I enjoy yeah. it as well. I enjoy yeah. the, the thinking about it. Although there's always the frustration because although I did, I did change um, the brake pads on my on my um, rear disc brakes yesterday evening, and it went yeah. it went really well. But that's unusual. Most of the time, I start one thing and it leads to some other, you know, and end, end up yeah, you know, an hour later. Else, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's something else goes wrong. Yeah. But um, yeah, sorry, Foggy, you were going to say something. Oh, I can't remember. I think, I remember. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, tinkering around in the garage is, is pretty cool and can save you, you know, a decent amount of money. But even after all these years of, of, of doing a lot of stuff myself, is I still use the local bike shops. You know, I, I, I one, it could be, well, I just don't have the time, um, you know, and, the, and these guys need support as well to, you know, to yeah. give them some business. So I'm happy to do that, more than happy. The, the, other, the other thing you've got to remember now as well is that we've moved away from, uh, it's a bit like car technology, you know, as cars got more and more, you know, I remember my first couple of cars, I could change the plugs, change the air filters, you know, change the just that and the other, and you're you away, change the oil. Nowadays, a car so so technical, you wouldn't go near it. But it's a, like the e-bikes and the stuff that we're seeing now in the, in the bike world. Um, there's a lot of complicated bits and pieces there. Um, I, was, I was upgrading some of the e-bikes at um, the company I'm working for, at the moment, just doing the software upgrades. And whilst it's not particularly difficult, it's something that I'd never done before. So it's a, it's a new thing I've got to learn is how to plug this thing in. It's a bike for heaven's sake, but you plug it in to upgrade its um, its computer. Um, and, you know, a lot of work. So there's, there's me being a bit old, it's kind of like really strange that you plug in a bike in to <laughs> change software. But there we go. Yeah, it's technology, isn't it? And I guess bikes are getting more and more like almost like smartphones, aren't they? And all the connections yeah. that they've they've got, and um, yeah, that's the way that's the way it's all going. It'll be interesting, you know, in 10, 15 years time, it'll be interesting to see where the where the technology takes us. With you know, will all bikes have 
wireless changing, um, you know, things that seem expensive yeah. and are, or are expensive and, and only for the top range will start to filter their way down to the bottom range of the bikes. So, yeah. Be well, the, yeah, they've already got Bluetooth, you know, Bluetooth gears. Yeah. Um, one thing that was suggested to me at one point that they're looking at sort of this like Bluetooth type um, wireless uh, braking systems. I wouldn't trust that as far as you could throw it. You know, <laughs> I, want, I want something that I can tangibly see that's going to work. <laughs> but anyway. the thing is, you, you would drive a car that's not yeah, got good a point. wired yeah. brakes, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I guess you would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it I just freaks me out. I think, I think it's just, you know, I don't know, conventional old head, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. just don't yeah. think about it, Foggy. You're just finding no, things to worry about. It. You'll be you'll be fine. <laughs> What's the worst yeah. that could happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. Descending downhill at fifty miles an hour and you pull on the brakes and they don't work. That's the worst They're that could happen. Near the batteries, bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bit unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, it'd be over before you knew what had happened, though. Um, so yeah, I you know you know one of the things that I found over the years um, makes a huge difference. And that's, you know, that's whether the, you know, it's a bike that's been just tucked away for a little while or um, one that I've been on that um, I've used a few times. It's just to give it a wash. It is amazing what a difference yeah, it is to a bike yeah. just to give it a thorough wash with some warm, soapy water. Because, uh, you, you, you know, I, I just did that the other other week there where there was there were a couple of like squeaks and you know noises coming out and I couldn't work out where. And I thought, well... I'm not going to spend hours. Let's just give it a wash. Let's see if that goes. And it, yeah, what to treat? So just a yeah. thorough, a thorough wash with warm soapy water can can solve a lot of problems. It's, it's a bit like yeah. I always think it's a bit like switching your computer on and off again. <laughs> it's a simple yeah. thing to do. It you know it solves 75, 80 percent of the problems. Uh, it's the same as washing your car. You wash your car, it looks like new again. It's nice to drive. But the, they're right with the bikes. I mean, you give it give it a decent uh, a decent scrub. I mean, some of the dust and Things that can grind down into into the you know the bottom bracket or any of the bearings and the, the pedals or into your chain and stuff. Just get rid of that. If you just wash that out, it can make a you know an awful difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the other thing as well as remembering once you've done all this, is make sure you keep your chain nice and looped because I've seen so many people with you can hear them. You can hear a, a dry chain. You know, where somebody hasn't looked after it or they haven't lubed it or you know it's. Um, Anyway, just yeah, look after it. So, you when you're part of the world, is it is it mainly dry lube or is it? Yeah, is, is yeah, it definitely. We, yeah. Um, um, I think when when I was running my business up in the in northwest of England, we used a lot of wet lube up there. Down here in central Otago, it is so dry. I mean, we had rain the other day. Wow, that's unusual. Um, the, the the dust is um, it it's pretty. Uh, you know, pretty coarse on a bike, just in terms of the amount of dust there is. And you, when you're out on a trail or off-road somewhere, you're going to get dust. You know, it's going to get in there. Um, so I'm definitely dry loop. So, you know, what I wash the bikes every time um, that we're out, spray them down, um, soap water if I need to, clean the chains off, and then dry loop. Mm. So for our listeners who maybe don't know the difference between dry loop and wet loop, Foggy, well, if you, if you work, if you sort of ride in a very wet environment, then wet lube is the sort of stuff to have because it's um, it repels the water better. But if you're in a dry environment and you use that more sticky sort of uh, lube on a, on a thing, it will just collect dust and gets more and more of a problem. It becomes thicker and thicker and more sticky. Um, so dry lube is, a, is, is, a, is actually looks thinner 
and, you know, less sticky and you don't need an awful lot of it. You just need to keep the, the chain lubed up because you just do not want a lot of stuff on the chain um, in a dusty environment, in a dry environment. Yeah. I've, Whereas if I, you, you know, go on, sorry. No, I'm just saying if you riding in a forest in the northwest of England, for example, where there's, it rains every other day and you'll be through puddles and you're through mud all the time, you need something a bit more, you know, a different consistency on the chain. Yeah, I, I use I actually use wet lube all year round, even though our summers can be quite dry here. Not always, but they can yeah. be they can be quite dry. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something different this year. I'm gonna try dry lube during the summer on the on the drier yeah. days. And the, the the downside of it is you can put wet lube on it and it can last a couple of weeks normally, even even if you're doing quite a bit. Whereas dry yeah. lube, you really need to be. On top of it, on top yeah. of it, every kind of every other ride or so is that right? I'm not familiar with dry. Oh, I do it every it, ride, so I clean them every ride. Yeah, so okay. I wipe off uh, dirt, dust, and everything else. I wash them down every single ride, and then I yeah. redo the, the dry loop. But we you know, on a road bike, you'd get away with that with the wet loop because you're not picking up as much dirt. You will pick up dirt, obviously, but not as much. But yeah. as soon as you go off road, um, whether that's a you know a, a gravel trail or a, a, you know sort of pine forest or whatever, you're going to pick up a lot more dirt. Um, so yeah, and and now you can get your chains waxed. Oh yeah, I guess there's there is so many variations now of of, of even chains, you know, to, to these really expensive ones that will never break and never wear out. Um, and you know, I'm not sure about the waxing thing, but well, one, one, one of our expensive. local, yeah, one of our local um, what. Uh, bike shops does it yeah it's about i can't remember it's about 100 quid and they reckon it'll last like five or six hundred kilometers so if you're doing a lot of cycling you know it's that's every it's two professional three weeks. stuff that it's professional stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I haven't i haven't done it yet i stay away whenever i hear the word waxing i, I tend to keep away from that anyway it's not something that appeals to me that's you all your roadies you do your legs with wax you do your <laughs> Yeah, waxing, waxing. Um, or shaving your legs. Yeah, shaving, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaving is my preferred technique. Um, so, although because of lockdown and no racing, um, yeah, I've not done that for quite a long time. Yeah, and in case you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, yeah, professional road cyclists. <laughs> <laughs> professional road cyclists. Um, shave their legs because well why do why do professional road cyclists or even good amateur ones why do they shave their legs foggy there's a lot of people that say it's about aerodynamics and it's about this that and the other the main reason that they do it as far as i understand is one um it's if it's the massages that they constantly have post-race and you get if you've got a lot of hair on your legs, you get this folliculitis from that all that pressure of the massages. But also, if they have a spill and a crash, there's more chance of getting infections if you, you know with hairy legs. Is that that's one of the theories? But it's more to do with a massage and, and when they finish. But you, you look at it, a lot of professional sports. It's not just cyclists. You can spot a road cyclist miles away because they shave their legs. That's what they used to say. And mountain bikers don't bother. Um, uh, but you look at professional sport, look at prof professional rugby now. No, I don't, I've never seen a hairy-legged rugby player since, well, I don't know, 20 years ago because they all shave their legs, they all do it. And again, a lot of that's to do with, the, I guess, you know, the the grabbing of the skin, the grabbing of the legs and then the, the, the massages and things later on. Um, so, yeah. 
I've never yeah, I think, with it. <laughs> I think for for the for the pros who who are getting pretty thorough massages, yeah. you know, at least once a day, I, I get it. Yeah. But for for us amateurs, it is purely aesthetics, culture, tradition, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah no, there's not actually because yeah. I I think the from what I can understand from reading, there's the, the, there's no aerodynamic advantage. No. Um, a tiny, a tiny weight advantage, I suppose. But um, you know, if you're really into that, but not not yeah. eating pies for a few days will have a similar effect. I would have, I would have thought. I'm not giving um, up pies. Not giving up pies. No, no, not not a man from Liverpool, um, <laughs> brought up on on a stable yeah. diet of pies. Um, okay, yeah. so final question for you, Foggy. When do you know it's time to get rid of the old bike and get a new bike? Right, and first of all, you've got to point out all the things that I've wrong that I've just asked you before you answer the question. Yeah, so the first thing you've said that's wrong is get rid of the old bike. <laughs> so there's a flaw in the in the question from the start. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's. I think for for each individual, I think it's probably down to the fact of um, you know your your disposable income versus your storage versus, you know, your wants and needs at the time. I, I regret, I re looking back now, I regret getting rid of a couple, uh, you know, some of the bikes that I've got rid of in the past. Um, but that's hindsight, you know, it's all well and good. And, the, you know, I look back 40 odd years now and think, well, I've had to get my rally Carlton. That's a collector's item now from when I was a kid. But if you've got an old clunker, I mean, I, I sold, um, about three years ago, I sold two of our 26-inch wheel mountain bikes that we still had. Really good bikes, really good spec on them, but they were old technology and, and you know, we, we'd moved on to 29ers. And to be fair, I just didn't have the room in the shed to keep hold of them. Um, I reluctantly got rid of my full suspension specialised Enduro, which was 26-inch wheel about like a year ago. Um, and I say reluctantly because I, I wasn't riding it, but I just hung on and hung on and hung on because I love the thing and then when I I got back on it to try it out just before I sold it and I, I hated it because I've been riding a decent geometry 29er that's all improved and now you're back on this old thing that or older thing which is probably 15 years older anyway so I decided that's time for that to go I'll probably regret that because it might become a collector's item one day but um, it, it, I think if you open your shed and you've got something in there that's falling apart and rusty and it's not really a classic then maybe get rid of it if it's a classic, if you, you open your shed and there's a uh, a Peugeot sat in there that's you know thirty or forty years old, I'd keep hold of it. <laughs> yeah, I I when it, when I was probably about thirteen or fourteen, I got a Rally Arena five speed road bike, and I absolutely loved it. And yeah. it would feel pretty ancient now, but um, it went when I when I was a student actually it, it, I had it when I was a student and then it, it sat in my mum and dad's um, garage afterwards and then they they, they um, moved they split up and divorced and I don't know what happened to it but I, it's I every so often when I'm looking at eBay as I do because see if I can see any bargain bikes in, in eBay then you'll see a, a, a five-speed rally arena from the early you know late 70s early 80s yeah. and, and you can you can pick one up for a hundred quid, hundred and fifty quid. Wow. And I, I'm so I, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what well, I, know, I know why I haven't. There's just space in the, you know. Yeah. I would need to sit out in a shed. I suppose I could put it up on a wall. That's an idea. As I look around my office here, 
That would be, that would be, yeah, an old rally, a read just behind me. Would that be absolutely perfect? Perfect, right. Right. I agreed. Yeah, as soon as this podcast it. recording, so <laughs> I'm off to eBay and I'm going to buy one. I've given you yeah. permission. You yeah. give me permission. Okay, uh, Mrs. Blissett, uh, um, Foggy said it was okay. Um, she'll not have anything to come back on that. Um, I bought I bought um, uh, a bike when I was living up in the North Island, which is, uh, uh, it was up for sale. It's a, a, um, a Rudge Whitworth 1950s frame. And the guy had done it up as a bit of a sort of a cafe cruise. It's still got the um, coaster brake on it and all that kind of thing. And I, I bought, the reason I bought it was that one, yes, it was that 1950s frame, but it sprayed it bright yellow. So even the, uh, or they still had the metal uh, chain guard on it and all the, the original looks for the, the big pump and all this kind of stuff. But, the, and then what attracted me to is that was my original rally Carlton that I had as a kid when I first started on a, on a, uh, a proper racing bike, you know, a proper road bike. Um, was that colour, and and for some something in my head said I've got to have that bike. It's got nothing. It's nothing like the bike I had, but it was bright yellow. So that's in a box in my in my um, storage container at the moment. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. You get you, you get very um, comfortable. My my last road racing bike, which I did which I did sell, um, is a giant Propel and. I did a lot, you know, I did a lot of riding on it and it was a great bike and it fitted me perfectly. Yeah. And I I sold it because I got the, the new bike because I just thought it'll just feel really, um, kind of really old and and not right. But actually, I wish I still had it because I, I miss it, you know. Yeah. Even though, yeah. even though the bike that I've got is great, I really, really love it. I do, if, you grow, if you've got a bike that you really like and you've done a lot of good stuff on it over the years, you do get attached to it. It's yeah, difficult to yeah, difficult yeah. to give up on it. Yeah, it's in your DNA. Yeah. So how my often wife told me to sorry, my wife told me to sell our two track bikes because we don't do track riding anymore. Honestly, I've refused to because one day you never know, we might be back on the track. Well, you've got a track that's not far from you, isn't you? Isn't there, uh, there's Invercargill, which is yeah, yes, yeah, Invercargill's about three three and a half hours away. Okay. So um, when we lived in Cambridge, of course, that's why we had them because we were actually yeah. lived pretty much in the velodrome, you know. But um, yeah, so the track, the track at Invercargill, are, are there there are pros that train there? I'm trying to, I'm sure I read some that is there a, yeah, yeah. There... that used to be the National Cycling Centre okay. um, for for New Zealand. But bear in mind, Invercargill is the right at the bottom of the yeah, South Island, quite remote, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's quite remote and it's quite difficult to get to. So, of course, when the new um, Velodrome was built at Cambridge, which is in the North Island, and, and was in you know within a couple of hours' travel to a, most of the population of New Zealand. Um, uh, that they all moved up there, so Invercargill still gets used, and it's still a great track, um, but not as much as it used to. Yeah. I wonder because there's not that many indoor velodromes in the world. I've just I'm I'm starting um, to think of a, a a little tour of riding every indoor velodrome in the world i'm going to go and research this now because there really aren't that many um you know even even in the uk which is you know, a big track cycling part of the world now there's only where is there there's there's five i think there's one in, one in london one in um derby one in manchester there's a Gert thomas um velodrome um in yeah. is it newport yeah newport and then there's one in glasgow yeah there's five so, yeah, I think 
there's probably what do you think how many do you think there's a huge like, oh, I've no idea there's, there's a yeah. few in dodgy places mate I mean I know our team have been over and I've ridden in places like Colombia yeah Colombia um, the, the one there's yeah. not got any water it's got a roof but there's at least it used to be yeah, no sides on it so the air comes yeah. through yeah because yeah. it, it's so hot but they they have the air it's just got yeah it has a roof but open sides so the air comes through so you know interesting places to go and ride I reckon yeah yeah okay I'm gonna I'm gonna research that that's um that's yeah. I think that could be a good challenge for a for a over a few years. Um, yeah, but maybe maybe some not so great yeah. trips, but some are bound to be some fantastic ones there. Um, okay, Foggy. Um, yeah. Right, final challenge for us. I'm going to give us both a challenge, which because um, we're calling this podcast episode "Old Dogs New Tricks." So, what's the what's the one thing on a bike that you wish you could do but couldn't or can't at the moment? But with a bit of practice, you could and a bit of dedication um, yeah that's a really good one um, let's think now, what I'd really like to do that I can't do or I've struggled with is be able to track stand properly on a velodrome on a fixed gear bike so I can track stand on a mountain bike I can track stand on a road bike on a gravel bike and a bike that's a freewheeler but I've never been any good at doing it on a fixed gear bike so, so I you've think got, that would be a good challenge for me. You've got two track bikes in your I've got garage. one in it. No, it's in bits, can't use it. Oh. <laughs> See, I was good, what I was going to, trying to do was set yourself a challenge for the next podcast that you'd be able to and see if I can do, it, do, yeah. this, do this trick. Um, yeah, you've got I might one. cheat. Right, but it's your challenge. Some, some way or another, you're going to manage yeah. to do a track stand on your track bike before the next okay, podcast. Okay, and try and film it as well. Yeah, yeah okay. film it. Sure, yeah. Good, good as a film. Yeah. Right. Well, I um, so mine is, I've I've always been really rubbish at bunny, like proper bunny hopping. You know where you're, you're not just yeah. you're not just jumping up on the bike, but you're doing front wheel, back wheel, proper bunny hop. Um, never been very good at it. So, and I've always <clears throat> thought, yeah, just all I need to do is just have a like some intense practice at it. So that's mine. I'm going to do. I'm going to set myself a bit of a challenge. I'm going to bunny hop over. What's what's a decent height to bunny hop over? And don't don't oh, give did, me Danny did, McCaskill like. No, no, four inches, inches, mate. Just just four, just four, four. inches. Yeah. Okay. You only use the old imperial measurement. Do about four inches. Right. But, and but the the key for that is is if you're using, I rely on clips and have done for years. And if I'd have, you know if I had my time again on a bike, I'd have stayed a lot longer on flatties. Yeah, because that's a skill in itself is trying to bunny up with flatties so you know decent BMXs and mountain bikers can do it if they practice you know you've got to practice with flatties and there's a, there's a trend now to go back to flatties uh, particularly in the mountain bike world so that's a, that's a harder skill if you can learn to do it without the clips yeah um, definitely yeah that's the, it's the, the trick of kind of flicking the I mean it's it's easier to lift the front wheel up um, it's the yeah. flicking the back wheel up Um yeah, and as you say, well, Danny McCaskill doesn't. You, he's on flat pedals, yeah. so he does all his stuff on flat pedals. Is it, if you think there's a there's a, something they used to teach you a while back was using the phrase of a donkey kick. So with your feet pushing down, toes down, pushing back into the pedal and kicking backwards to actually hook into the um, into the pins on the pedal to lift it. So, but it's a skill. It's a real skill. You need to practice. And I would strongly recommend whilst practicing wear some shin pads get some mountain bike shin pads shin and knee pads because you will fall off you will come off and you will put holes in your shins yeah 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 and that I have done that 
not trying to do a bunny hop, but just doing on my cyclocross. But actually, when I was up yeah. in Mull a few years ago, and I I rode out um, right to the the furthest western point of Mull, which and it was a beautiful sunny day, and the views were absolutely amazing. But I did I I I had flat pedals because I knew it was going to be really rough. Um, and it was really rough in places. Yeah, a cross bike on there was a bit mad, to yeah. be honest. But I didn't have a mountain bike with me. And I did exactly that. I came off and I was going, yeah, I was putting a big effort in and I slipped off the pedals and yeah. pedals straight into the front of my shin. And honestly, nice. the language that came out of my mouth, you know, <laughs> my mother would not have been proud of me. That's for sure. <laughs> it was quite sore to say the least. Still got a big, um, big mark on the front of that. Um, okay, so we're setting ourselves a challenge. So next time we meet Foggy, I will be able to do a bunny hop, proper bunny hop over four-inch barrier, and you are going to be able to do a track stand on a track bike. Oh yippee! Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. Okay. Great to chat as always. Thanks, Foggy. Thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.